What's up everyone? This is Mayowa, your host, and you are listening to the Six Figure Entrepreneur Podcast. More people than ever are building cool stuffs online from the scratch, solving problems and making a lot of money in the process. And on this show, I sit down with these amazing six-figure entrepreneurs to share their entrepreneurial journeys, the ideas, the opportunities, the strategy they are taking advantage of so the rest of us can do the same. And now, let's get the show started. Hi everyone, my name is Mayowa and this is another episode of the Six Figure Entrepreneur Podcast where we always like to have conversations with six, seven, eight figures entrepreneurs to share their story and share all some tips to help us uh, get better in our business life and get the best out of our life. Uh, I'm the founder of the book called The Book Publishing Agency that helps busy entrepreneurs to write and publish their book without actually writing a word. So on this episode of the Six Figure Entrepreneur Podcast, I've got a guest I'm so happy to have this conversation with. And during the course of the interview, you will surely understand what I'm talking about. Uh, he's a media guru and uh, he has built some amazing platforms. And before I get ahead of myself, I will just pass the mic to uh, Phil. And he will tell us about himself, a little bit about his business. Then we get the show started. Hi, Phil. Hi, thank you so much for having me. All right, it's my pleasure. So take it away. Just give us a background story of, uh, just give us a brief about who you are and uh, what business uh, are you into? Sure. Um, so my name is Phil Palucha. I run Billionaires in Boxes, which is a, a conglomerate of three businesses. One is a business consultancy ranked number one in the world for increased leads, uh, authority and revenue. Uh, one is a a sports broadcasting business, um, which also does business broadcasting. So we have two satellite television networks, two radio stations, four newspapers and magazines, and a top 5% podcast. Podcasting is very important for us. So million downloads plus each month for the podcast and 26 million across the TV. Uh, and then as a former professional player, I also run a sports consultancy that specializes in uh, commercial valuation and investment deals for sports brands. So um, I like to say I teach business to sport and sports to business. All right. Thank you, Phil. We are super excited to have you on this episode of the Six Figure Entrepreneur Podcast. I believe it will be a good value for your time and as well as our listeners as well. So uh, to get the show rolling, you've talked, uh, you've uh, show us who you are in a brief uh, way. And we love story a lot on this show. So take it away from me. What is the story behind how you got started as an entrepreneur to where you are today? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I think I, I've always uh, had an entrepreneurial side to me ever since I was a, I was a child. Um, I was always trying to find ways of doing things. So I came from a, a, a poor family, single parent family on benefits. Uh, a lot of drugs, a lot of abuse in and out of the social care system, kicked out of school and homeless at 14. So really not a great start at all. Um, and one of the things that I realized was, uh, and this still kind of runs through our business to this day, is that you can't wait to be invited. You can't wait for somebody to invite you to be successful. You have to invite yourself. Um, and, you know, if you can't find a job, you make a job. Um, and if nobody's going to pay you money, then you make your own money. In fact, it's funny. My, my definition of an entrepreneur is someone who's unemployable. Um, working in the world of sport, I get offered a lot of jobs in sport. And I say the same thing to every single person, which is 
there is nobody in the world who is crazy enough to pay me as much as I pay myself to work two and a half days a week. Um, so the, the journey of being an entrepreneur really started when I was a child, uh, needing to have some money, but if I wanted to have something I had to graft, I had to make the money. Um, in fact, I'll tell you a funny story. I remember one of the very first jobs I ever got was working on a farm, strawberry picking. And the farmer basically said, look, you can eat as many as you want while you're out there. <laughs> so just make sure you're picking these strawberries and, and you're, um, you know, selling the baskets to people so that they can go and pick theirs. So it's okay, great. And I went to school the next day and I told my friends what I was doing and they were like, oh, that sounds like a really terrible job. And I'm like, no, actually, it's great. I get to eat as many strawberries as I want. I just play around in the fields with my friends. This is great. And they were like, hey, can we come? I'm like, yeah, sure you can. Like, I'll, I'll pay you in strawberries. Like, take as many as you want and then take the crate home at the end of the day, you know, for you and your family. Just do that. So within about a week of working on this farm, I was now sat in the office with my feet up watching TV while I had 10 of my friends outside picking the strawberries. Um, and I was still getting paid my money and they were getting paid in strawberries. Um, farmer was happy because we were selling those strawberries um, and we were getting the job done 10 times faster than usual. But that's just kind of an example of, um, you know, how we can do this. And then one of the things I did was I, I said, well, what we can do is what about all the people that can't come to the field? So we live in the countryside, obviously. Or at least we did. Um, and there was a lot of elderly people in that area that couldn't come and buy strawberries. They couldn't get to the field. You know, they were either had poor mobility or they didn't have a car or whatever. So me and my friends started getting on our push bikes and cycling around and selling strawberries and cream door to door to people's houses. And we would take 50% of the revenue for ourselves and give the other 50% to the farmer as per the agreement with him. And pretty soon I had about 15 people doing that, just cycling around, selling strawberries door to door, strawberries and cream during the summer. And it was a it was a nice little business, but it showed me very quickly that I think at the time I was probably getting paid about two pound an hour at most, right? At very most to do that job paid for by the farmer. But with the delivery, I was probably making about a hundred pound a day with the different teams delivering stuff and all the rest of it. So, you know, it just goes to show you have to make the most of all your opportunities. All right. Uh, it's, a, it's a lovely story. And one thing really resonates with me uh, with everything you said is the fact that you don't need to wait for people to choose you. I always like the mantra of choose yourself. Like nobody Correct. will nobody will wake up one day and say, the only thing I want to do today is make my or a successful guy. Correct. That job is mine. And I have to wake up every day and show up and grab everything I can uh, to make myself successful and to get what I want out of life. So I really right, love right. that part. And uh, I always have this uh, choose yourself uh, story. I think uh, if you have read James Altucher's uh, Choose Yourself, uh, mm. it was a book that really introduced me to the idea of choosing yourself. And since then, uh, when I read the book, it has been one thing that has been in my mind that, you know, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of resources out there. There is a lot of platforms out there that mm. we don't need to wait for any gatekeeper. We don't need to ask permission from anybody. Just get mm. out there and uh, do something for yourself. That's a lovely one. So let's take it to present day right now. Yep. You have like uh, you have quite some uh, more than one or two successful uh, businesses. So I'm very curious how did you got into having multiple businesses and have you been able to 
manage all those businesses because for some some people out there managing one is even a very difficult task so now add two mm. or maybe additional business to it so how have you been able to do it and what's what makes you to uh have like more than two or three businesses altogether it's a good question so i think um i think a good way of looking at this is you have to understand your superpower so i use sports analogies quite a lot right so let's say you're you're playing football you're a soccer player and you're great at scoring goals well it doesn't mean that you're going to be a great winger it doesn't mean that you're going to be an amazing defender you're not a good goalkeeper maybe you're not even a good midfielder you're just good at scoring goals so the way to be successful is to, to recognize that and not try and fix your weaknesses It's to focus on your strengths and surround yourself with people who are strong in areas where you are weak. And I think what a lot of people do when trying to run a business is they try and wear every hat. They're trying to be accounts, sales, management, recruitment, HR, uh, you know, they're trying to do everything all at the same time. It's not possible. You have to focus on the thing that you are best at and then make sure that you either hire or partner with people who are strong in the areas that you are weak. So, um, the, the three businesses that we have. So we have three seven-figure businesses. I am what I like to call a, a serial creator. Um, I'm a world-class creator. It's one of the things I'm best at is creating a new business, moving into a market, doing something really exciting. What I don't really like is the day-to-day. I'm not, very, I'm not even a very good man manager, if I'm completely honest. I have very high standards of myself that I then tend to put onto my teams. And that can be kind of overwhelming for people. So knowing that I brought in a partner in my business who is phenomenal at man management so that I can share the ideas and then they implement them with the team. I don't get involved in the day-to-day with the team um, because I'm not the best person to do that. Um, I also have you know some finance people in my team and some accountants because that's not my bag. I like making money. I don't particularly like watching it and recording it. So somebody else is taking care of that bit. Um, so Really what happened was I started one business and then then that was the, the business consultancy. So I've let me take it back a step. I've previously grown and sold two professional services businesses and I've previously grown and sold two podcasting networks. Um, so I was too young to retire. I have a, I have very expensive taste. So I, I had money, but not enough to retire for the next 60 years, right? So I set up the business consultancy and started to teach people how we'd done that with our businesses and how we'd grown and eventually exited. And that became very successful. And then what I realized was that the world of sport that I'm very heavily involved in has many of the same problems that I'm dealing with in business. And I love sports where I grew grew from. It's where I grew up. It's, It's where most of my friends and my contacts are. So then we set up the sports consultancy and that became very successful. But both of these businesses had a lot to do with the media. So whether that was newspapers, magazines, televisions, whatever. And one of the things that's happening a lot at the moment in the world is that broadcasting is changing because of things like YouTube and podcasts and this kind of stuff. There's now a lot of people trying to capture your attention. So the message used to be, how do you get people to pay attention to you? That's no longer the question. It's too late for that. That, that model is already dead. The question now is, where are people already looking and how can you stand there? Do you see the difference? So it's not, hey, I'm over here. Please look at me. It's where are they looking and how can I go and stand in front of those people? That's what it's about now. It's not about growing numbers and about downloads. It's about establishing where your ideal audience are already looking and positioning yourself in that position. So that 
when I started to look at the world of broadcasting and media, you know, most of their money is still made on sponsorship and advertising. And it's a very sort of archaic and outdated model. And I realized that actually there was a much better way of doing this by leveraging the audience, by giving great content and leveraging the celebrity and the, and the credibility that comes back from that and using it as a powerful networking tool, which is why when we bought into the TV stations that we did, you know, I didn't see this as, as I was buying a million dollar a year business. I saw this as I was buying access to 12 million homes. And there was a big difference in the mindset between the two. Um, so they might seem to an outsider to be three separate businesses, but to me, they are all part of the same thing. They are three businesses all under one umbrella and that umbrella without trying to sound arrogant because i'm not an arrogant person that umbrella is things that i am best at so i have three businesses that each represent the things that i am best at in my life and my career okay uh one thing stood out uh for me from what you said and it's a common theme among everyone i've interviewed on this show and that mm. is focusing on your strength know yourself to know what yeah. you are good at and the other things, the other things that you are not really good at, find someone who can really fix them. And I think it's a very good way to uh, start business. I started business from the perspective of I want to be everything. But along the line, I got to realize that I would never get to that point where I wanted to be if I am the all in all. And that is when I started creating processes and uh, delegating attacks and the result has been very phenomenal since then. So you've talked to us about <clears throat> the structure of your three businesses and revenue-wise for mm -hmm. 2022, what is your figure like? So they're all seven-figure, mid-seven-figure. Um, I was hoping that one of them would surpass eight figures. It's not going to happen this year. Um, it will definitely happen next year. In fact, I'm, I'm confident that I can get one, if not two of them, above the eight-figure mark next year. Um, I was hoping to get one of them done this year, but I fell just short. Um, but they're all comfortably within the seven-figure realm. Um, and this, uh, so short story, I fell sick in 2020. I, I caught long COVID. I had uh, pneumonia for six or seven months. So I was in a really bad place health-wise. So one of the things that I've done over the past two years is solidify what we have. We've actually increased revenue, which is cool, but we've solidified what we have. But I've also reduced my working times down to two and a half to three days maximum per week. So for me, I'm considering this a real proud achievement that we have all three businesses in seven figures, but I'm only working two and a half, three days a week. That that has been a real change for me because prior to that, I'm a self-confessed workaholic. You know, I'm working six days a week, 15, 16 hours a day, quite comfortably. Um, and what I've realized, which is really funny, is the less I'm working, A, the more we earn, but B, more importantly, the better results that we give to our clients. Because instead of my clients getting 40% of my energy because I'm burning the candle at both ends and I'm working too hard, every single one of my clients, every single one of my partners, every single one of my businesses is getting 100% of my energy because I have enough to give because I rest more than I work. Okay, uh, that's very awesome. One question I'm just, and I'm just very curious to ask you is this. Mm. Most people uh, out there are solopreneurs and uh, one-man uh, business or maybe just like a team of two or three. Yep. Uh, for you who have created uh, a big business, like three different uh, seven and eight-figure business, mm -hmm. what mindset, uh, mindset do you think solopreneurs out there 
who are just one mile, maybe two people running a business, what mindset or what do you think they should focus on uh, to make that shift from being a solopreneur to having a big business that uh, their systems, their people and their processes mm. where they can remove themselves and have time to do something else or maybe to create something else just like you? So I think the first answer to that is that it doesn't happen by accident. It happens by design. Um, I think a lot of people are waiting to get to this magical, fictitious point where at some point they can remove themselves from their business. But it doesn't work like that. You you have to build this into the design. You have to take the necessary action. So, um, you know, if you are in a position that you can start hiring people, great. Well, one of the first people you need to hire is a man manager who's going to be the go-between between between you and the team. Um, if you're not in that position right now, then you need to be looking for partners, you know, like strategic alliances, non-competitive partners, whatever you want to call them. Um, the, the reality is that a lot of people that you speak to that are solopreneurs, you'll hear them say things like, oh, I can't afford that yet, or I haven't got the money to hire somebody yet, or I'm having to do it all myself because I don't have the cash flow. Well, I, I almost call BS on that. I kind of say you don't have the cash flow because you're doing it. If you had someone else doing it, you'd have more cash flow because you'd be focused on the bit that you're best at. So often it comes down to partnerships. So I can tell you, like my my first, you know, couple of million dollars came strictly from partnerships. They were not me doing it all on my own. They were me going to somebody who was really good at their bit, and I was really good at my bit, and saying, let's split the revenue fifty fifty, and let's split the work fifty fifty. You do that bit. I'll do this bit and away we go. Because what? Like, let's just take something really simple. What you often find is that business owners have this superpower. That's why they started the business and they have this thing that they want to deliver. But they hate sales and marketing. And most of their time is spent trying to figure out sales and marketing because they need more customers. So the 80-20 rule is upside down. They're spending 80% of their time trying to figure out sales and marketing and 20% of their time actually delivering the thing that they're best at. Right. But then you've also got a salesperson who's really good at selling and marketing, but they hate the delivery piece. You're like they'll sell to customers all day long, but then it's almost like an anticlimax when it's like, oh, I've, now I've got to deliver the work because like, they don't want to do that. So imagine what happens if you partner those two people together and split the revenue 50 50. That salesperson who loves sales and marketing can spend all day, every day just winning new customers. And that's all they need to focus on. Meanwhile, the person who hates sales and marketing and loves delivery, all they have to focus on is delivering to the clients that are turning up like clockwork from that other person. That's a really easy partnership. And, and knowing this industry as well as I do, that happens all the time. Like I, the, I can't tell you how many hundreds of times I've had conversations with entrepreneurs and they either tell me I love sales and hate delivery or I love delivery and hate sales. It's like, why don't the two of you just partner together and create something amazing? But I'll tell you what happens, right? Funny little, little story on why this happens. The education system has failed most entrepreneurs. In fact, I'll go further. The education system has failed all entrepreneurs because what school teaches you is that you need to get good grades on in every subject. You need to be a generalist. You need to be a good generalist. What else does school teach you? It teaches you that if you don't know the answer to something, something, it's cheating. It's naughty. It's against the rules to ask somebody who does know the answers to provide those answers for you. But in business, that's the complete opposite. If you don't know the answer, the best thing that you can do is ask somebody who knows the answer and learn from somebody who's already done it. If you're not good at a particular subject in school, the best thing to do would be for you to say, okay, we do nine subjects a year. 
I'm taking these two because I'm going to get a straight A in them because I'm awesome at them. Who wants English and maths? Who's really good at science and design? Who wants to do sports? And, and go and find people to join you in that venture so that at the end of the academic year, you've got A stars on every subject, but it was because it was delivered by three or four people, not one person. The, the world of business is not a generalist. So, so here's, a, here's a really good example that I think everybody can recognize. If in school... I got one A star in a subject and failed every other class, every other class, my parents would be getting called into school, right? I'd be in the principal's office. I'd be in trouble. I'd be being reprimanded. But if that happened in business, that I got one A star in one subject, that one A star makes me a multimillionaire. So school has failed entrepreneurs. Wow. Like I liked your analogy of uh, this how the school system fails and really contributed to people wanting to do everything by themselves. And really, I never uh, thought of that. Uh, I never thought of it from the angle you mentioned, but it's, I think it's very important to understand and for most solopreneurs out there to understand that the way we are being raised up and just like you said, uh, you have to be, get A's in all subjects or maybe at mm-hmm. least get a C. And if you, if you have to fail, then you, you are surely in trouble and probably you have to repeat uh, the class. And it's a f- very funny thing because that is not how the business world or even the, the entire world generally outside of business, that's not how it works. It, well, it's, it's a complete opposite of how business works. You know, yes. if, 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 I, if you were in school and you had, were not very good at maths, let's say, and you couldn't figure out an equation, if you turn around and ask the smartest kid in class and say, hey, what's the answer to this one? You're going to get a detention. You're going to get in trouble. You're going to get that's, kicked that's out of the class, <laughs> right? In business, that makes you a genius. Like the best business people in the world don't know all the answers. They just know where to find the answers. They know that they can pick up the phone to somebody and say, hey, listen, um, I'm not good at this. Like, I'm really good at this bit. Like, if you need some help with that, let's do a trade. I really need you to come and teach me this. Can you do this for me? I'll give you a great example of one I did with that with. Um, I like systems and processes, but I'm not particularly um, a CRM-based guy or an automations guy. I'm not, I'm not very good at that stuff. And I know somebody who is incredible at that. She is like one of the best in the world at it. She's done it for most of the largest brands in the world. She is brilliant. Now, when she left the corporate world to set up her business, she's really good at the automations and stuff. What she's not very good at is winning clients. She's not very good at that at all. So what I did was I did a trade with her. I said, look, this is worth more to me than the money. I'll teach you how to win clients so that you can be successful in your business. And I want you to work with my team to go and fix all of our automation and run this stuff in the background. So that's what we did. Here's the thing. We have both made hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars off the information that we've shared with each other. But if we'd have just paid the service, it might have been twenty dollars to $50,000 each. So the trade was worth 10 times as much to us than the money was. But that was because I recognized what I was strong at and what I was weak at. She recognized what she was strong at and what she was weak at. And we identified that we could help each other, which is why it goes back to what I said earlier. The first step is understanding your superpowers and being able to recognize what is it that I'm good at and what is it that I'm the best at and what is it that I need to outsource, delegate, get some support with, because that's not my thing. Yeah, I think a very good solution for solopreneurs out there who always uh, complain that they don't have the money to 
get epinans. I think is the best solution is what you've just mentioned, which is find uh, their strength and look out for people who can who they can really trade places with to fix their weakness. I think that's a very good strategy because come to think of it, before we started using money the way it is today, yeah. Trade has been by butter. Like you have a cow, Trade. Exactly. And I have a chicken. You no, know, we exchange, and uh, everybody gets happy at the end of the day. So that's Correct. a lovely one. I surely love the uh, trajectory of this conversation, and I wish we had a lot of time. But right now, we have to transition into the question round, mm. where I have to throw Phil some thought-provoking questions, then he get back to us with answers. So, Phil, should we fire on? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, we love book a lot on this show and we believe that readers are leaders. What is one book that you have read that has a lot of impact in your business that you'd like to share with us? Oh, good question. Uh, let me give you two. Sure. Um, because I think they're, they're very different levels, but I think they're both very useful books. So uh, one of them is a guy uh, by a guy called Daniel Priestley, um, Aussie guy like Dan a lot, like his work, he's fun. Um, but he wrote a book a number of years ago called The Entrepreneurial Revolution. And it's about helping people to change their mindset to understand how they can become a better entrepreneur, what the world of entrepreneur means, how we've moved away from the industrial revolution where we move to the city, we get a job, we get our qualification, we stay there for 60 years, get a gold watch, and then we die. Um, he's now saying that world is dead. Here's the new world. It's the it's the world of the entrepreneur. So Entrepreneurial Revolution is a good book to read. Um, And then a little bit more advanced, but kind of one for business owners who have already made the decision to start their business and grow um, is a book by Todd Herman called The Alter Ego. Um, It's probably one of the books that's had one of the most, the the biggest impacts on me personally. Um, It's about creating an alter ego, a, I don't want to say a character because that makes it sound like a lie, but like another side of you. So having played professional sport, the version of me that played on the field was not the version of me that sat talking to my friends after the game. It's a very different person. You know, I was, I was ride or die. I was like, I, I hated losing more than I loved winning. So everything I did was about avoiding the loss. Right. Whereas in real life, I'm actually quite an easygoing, fun talkative kind of guy but on the field i was very serious i was like there was no way i was losing i was gonna i was gonna win or die trying and that's because i had an alter ego on the field so what todd does very well is in the book the alter ego is he helps you to craft who is that superpower version of you so that if you get nervous doing talks and interviews you can have an alter ego version of you that embraces that situation and becomes good at it um if you uh are scared of making money decisions or you've got a fear of failure then it's allowing you to tap into some superpower inside you to kind of inspire you to kind of push through that. So it's a phenomenal business for really helping people to get a a good, clear mindset on not just who it is they want to be, but what it is they want to achieve and why, and then putting the principles in place with emotions and history attached to it to help you achieve those things. All right. Thanks so much for those uh, two book recommendations. This this is the first time that uh, those two books we have a mention on this show and it's very awesome uh so still talking about book i feel have you authored a book before yeah i've got one get well so i have one getting released in q1 of next year i'm not quite sure when this podcast goes out but uh beginning of 2023 i have a book coming out um called the underdog champion going from unknown to unrivaled 
Um, and then I also have a number of uh, sports business books that are in production at the moment that will probably be released later in the year as well. All right. Uh, we look forward to uh, reading that book, and I believe it will be a phenomenal book. So this Thank is you. just outside of the script, but uh, you've mentioned uh, football, uh, football a lot of time for those in the U.S. are. Uh, uh, soccer for them. Uh, yeah, you've mentioned it a lot, and I'm just wondering, which football club do you support? I'm a big Liverpool fan. Wow, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm I'm a huge Liverpool fan. Wow. Um, in fact, funny little story for you. It the the football club was actually founded by one of my ancestors in the late 1800s. So. Um, my ambition is to own Liverpool Football Club one day and bring at least part of the club back into our family because that's where I feel like it belongs. Um, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge Liverpool fan. That's that's awesome. If you and I are to be in the same room, of course, we have to be an opposite opposing teams because uh, I support Chelsea. And, uh... Oh, it's all right. <laughs> I thought you could say Manchester United, then we really wouldn't be friends. Okay, so you can be you can be a friend with a Chelsea fan, but not my, a Man U fan. My sister in law is a Chelsea fan, so I'm okay with Chelsea fans. Okay, Ma- Ma- Manchester United is not allowed in my house. That's good, <laughs> but why? I do you know what it, I think it's the, the two cities really dislike each other. Um, we, and I grew up sandwiched in between Liverpool and Manchester. So Liverpool's home stadium is called Anfield. Manchester United's home stadium is called Old Trafford. I am about 20 minutes away from Anfield and about 35 minutes away from Old Trafford. So it shows you how close these two places really are. Um, And I think it's because of my age as well. So when I was growing up, Manchester United were incredibly successful and Liverpool weren't doing very well. So I had a lot of people that would rub their success in my face. Um, So I just get a bit of a sour taste from Manchester United. It's funny, actually. So doing a lot of work in the world of sport, Manchester United is the one club that I refuse to help. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's awesome. I'm not really a fan of Man U anyway, like... uh... Me neither. Uh, I still have, <laughs> <laughs> I still have some soft spot for all that are not all that London uh, team like Arsenal, Tottenham. Yep. More than I will for uh, Man U. Anyway, I don't know why, but that's just the way it is. Uh, so, <laughs> all right. So, what is one thing that you have done in the past that gave you a very big win in your businesses? Okay, so to this day. Uh, believe it or not, two of our businesses, uh, 40% of the revenue comes from podcasting. So clients that we meet on podcasts, we use podcasting as a VIP networking tool. So um, uh, we've been doing this for many years now, but one of the things that we do very successfully and that we teach other people to do is how to craft a formula that allows you to interview your prospective clients and turn them into customers. Uh, now, there's a way of doing this because if you just do it directly, like let's just interview a load of custom, potential customers, that doesn't really work because the people on the podcast think they're there for an interview. Meanwhile, you're trying to get them to do a sale. So the, the mindsets are too far apart. So we've designed a formula that allows you to create an environment in the middle where everybody knows what's being discussed and why we don't charge for the interviews. We don't charge for the content. We never have and never will. Um, but we understand the power of networking. And we, we always say we, when it comes to our content, we're either learning or we're earning. So um, for, for us, it will always be the podcast and the television content. It, they, they give us huge wins. Without them, 50% of our businesses disappear overnight. Yeah, that's awesome. You brought up a very good uh, conversation point that I would like to talk about. You know, I have another podcast called The Six Figure Podcast. And what I do over there is just have conversations with business owners like you mm-hmm. who have used podcasts uh, to 
create their uh, create build and uh, scale up their business. So I'm mm-hmm. just wondering, just like an offshoot of this, can you talk about? Can you give us a brief picture of the process? Uh, process you talk about uh, that has helped you to use your podcast to grow and build uh, your business. Yeah, of course. So, um, so w- what we'll do is we'll we'll put think of it like a funnel. At the top of the funnel, we identify our ideal customers and the and our ideal avatars. So we're only ever speaking with the people who are one of what I call the four P's, and the four P's are purchasers partners promoters and platforms and what that means is purchasers are obvious they're the people who become customers partners are what i call ncp so non-competitive partners so who works with the same target audience that you do but delivers a different service or product a promoter is somebody that can introduce you to more of the first two and a platform is a stage a platform an event a television a radio show that can introduce you to more of the first three if they're not one of your four P's, you should not be speaking to them. It's as simple as that because you can spend a lot of time. Look, we, we, we will, if I calculate over the past 10 years, how much money we've made from podcasting, it will be well into eight figures, well into eight figures, but yet only about 6% of the industry ever make any money from their podcast. So that puts us, you know, 94% of people don't make any money from this. And that's because they're not spending their time interviewing the four p's and they don't understand how to move that conversation along now i have a process i won't give too much away today here for obvious reasons but i have a process that i call the bridge and the bridge is how do you position the conversation now you have somebody wanting to come on your show to get some exposure and position it in a way that allows you to say well look I'm very well networked in this industry. So if I know somebody that can help you with your business, I should introduce them. Or if I can help you with your business, then we should have another conversation. Are you okay with those things? Because now when they get on the conversation with you for the podcast, you've already pre-framed that that's what you're going to be discussing. And if they can be an ideal customer of yours, or if you know somebody that you can introduce them to, it already makes sense. They don't feel like you're doing a convert and flip. They don't feel targeted. They don't feel missold to because transparency and honesty is the best option. It really is. And I think a lot of people don't do that. Um, People are often surprised by quite how direct we are. Um, But everybody else I find at the moment, particularly if you look at like how people are doing sales on LinkedIn, they're taking one of two approaches. They're either just sending people a massive, big, long sales letter. And it's like, hey, buy my stuff. And you're like, I don't even know who this person is. And they're trying to sell something to me. Or they're going the other way, which is, hey, let's get together and have a virtual coffee. It's like, well, my calendar gets booked up three months in advance. I know you don't want to become my friend. Like you're trying to sell me something. So let's let's be more honest about what this is. So in my world, we use what we call law of reciprocity. We use give, give, get. So if everybody else is trying to take, 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 we're giving first. So that, for example, might look something like this. Great to see you. Really impressed by your profile. I am looking to speak with industry leaders in my space, give them a platform to talk about their career, promote their business, and maybe make some introductions for them. Would that be helpful for you? Well, that message, I've not said anything about what I want. I've just told them what I want to give them. So they like the idea of exposure. And then we say, okay, well, look, a lot of people win more clients on our podcast because we've got you know, a million downloads plus the two global radio stations. I know a lot of people in my network. What, what are you looking for right now? What do you need more of? How can I help you? Who can I introduce you to? And then they tell you, and then either you can introduce them to somebody that can help, or if the problem that they're experiencing just so happens to be your superpower, then there's nothing wrong with saying, actually, I can really help you with that. Let's let's do the recording, and then let's have a separate conversation about how I can help you with that part of your business. But notice the whole way through here, 
I've been very transparent. I've not lied about anything. I've been very clear. I'm still giving them something. I'm giving to them first, twice before I get anything back. I'm not even guaranteed to get anything back. But I'm very clear on, here's what I'm giving to you. Here's what I'm looking for in return. Does this make sense? And if it doesn't, then the person moves on and goes away. If it makes sense, then you go and have that conversation. And it's a fruitful conversation as opposed to pretending it's something that it's not. Oh, wow. This is very, very awesome. And really, I must attest to the power of what you just said. Because I I had daily podcasts uh, before the Six Figure Entrepreneur podcast, and I made zero, <laughs> zero dollar with all those three reports. And at the end of the day, I just lost the motivation to keep yep. going. And, oh, of course, you know, it's, it's taking your time. It's, co- it's costing you money and it's making you no money. So, of course, you're going to lose the motivation. One, one, thing, one thing that I see that most podcasters get wrong is the idea that I will create a podcast and I will interview big people or maybe yeah. influencers and I will get tons of downloads. I will not get sponsors for mm. my podcast and I will make tons of money. It doesn't work that way. Maybe... So- 2000 in the early 2000s it works like that way but there are not many podcasts out there but you know right now it's one has to be very strategic just like you said and here's the here's the thing if i may right the the downloads don't matter you can make seven and eight figures from a podcast that nobody listens to because if everybody you're interviewing that can become a potential client or a partner of yours you're already winning in business i always say to my clients i say to people whenever i'm doing media interviews the the strategy to get a million downloads and the strategy to make a million dollars are two completely different strategies. So you have to decide what do you want? Do you want dollars in the bank or do you want to be Instagram famous? Because it's not the same thing. Wow. That's, that's just the mindset. And it's when I uh, embraced that mindset, that is when I started making money. And uh, for the Six Figure Entrepreneur Podcast, it's very young. I started in June uh, 2022. Then, thanks so much. And I can't believe how well I have uh, been able to fare in uh, revenue and a lot of other platforms. Even meeting some people like you, mm. having to talk to people like you, have conversations, listen to people's story. I even learned so much from uh, all my guests. I have to pick one or two lessons from them. And it's a very awesome platform. But the focus is just like you said, is not about how many people are getting, uh, how right. many people are listening to me. It's just about how can I have a platform where I can showcase people, I can uh, let them talk about themselves, talk about their story and even talk about everything they wanted to talk about because we are even for the most successful people out there uh everyone is busy and when you have a platform like a podcast you can easily invite people to have conversations with you and anything can happen from that and just like you said if you are very strategic about it then a lot of good things will surely happen so thank you so much for uh that contribution so uh we've talked about superpowers a lot you have mentioned mm. uh, your strength but i'm i just want to ask you directly what is one superpower that you think you've got that has contributed to your winning in business so i have two superpowers and it's going to be really impossible to say these without sounding really arrogant but hopefully your listeners at this point have realized i'm no, not an arrogant person right so i i have two superpowers number one is that i'm a world-class creator 
I am very good at creating. I'm very good at being able to see things. This is why I've been a good consultant in both sports and business, because I can look at what somebody's doing their business and create new revenue lines, see where the problems are. I'm, I'm very good at that. Um, so that's that's definitely one that's helped. The other one was actually one that was given to me by a mentor. He he actually asked me this question. He said, "What what's your superpower?" And I was like, "I don't know. I'm I'm good at creating stuff." And he's like, "You are, but it's not that." I'm like, uh, "I'm good at communicating." He's like, "Yeah, you are, but it's not that either." I was like, "Then I have no idea. What is it?" And he said, "Your superpower is that you're special." And I said, "Well, what does that mean?" And he said, have you not noticed that when you walk into a room, people notice that you're there? You can walk into a room full of people that have never met you before. And within five minutes, everybody's noticed that you're the person to talk to. You know, every media interview you do, it gets more downloads than anybody else's. If you're not, that's not normal. It's normal for you because that's what you live, but that's not normal. So how do you embrace that superpower? And I said, I don't know. He said, well, if you're very good at attracting attention, if you're the stage in the spotlight, then what you need to do is use that power to elevate your clients. So if I'm very good at opening doors and capturing people's attention, then I need to use that to highlight my clients, grow their businesses, make introductions for them. And that's exactly what we do to this day. So those are my two superpowers. It's the superpower of being special, being noticed, and the superpower of being a world-class creator. Those are my two. All right. So you've talked about your superpower and uh, take it. You are, we are all human and one way or the other, no matter how powerful we are or how oh, yeah. vested, how vested we are, we surely have one way, uh, one thing or the other that we struggle with as entrepreneurs. So for you, what is that one thing that you have struggled with a lot as an entrepreneur? I'm not a good man manager. I'm really, I'm really not good at managing people. Um, that's something I've struggled with. And until the time I hired somebody to help me with this, um, as in to just do that part for me, it was always going to be something that I struggled with. And the reason for that is that I have very, very high standards of myself. And I tend to then put those on the team as well. And because I operate at like a crazy level, because I put myself under so much pressure, I was then doing that to other people and that's not right. And I didn't want to do that. It wasn't nice. And I didn't like the fact that I was, I had people working for me that felt like they were under pressure to perform and things. Um, that was just how I behave with myself. So bringing somebody into my business, who's a very good man manager, who's been able to do that and take that away from me. It means that I now communicate with that person about what's, what we need to be done and what's happening in the business. And they delegate the tasks and manage the teams and everybody's happier. Everybody's achieving better results than we ever were before. Nobody's stressed out by me, me putting them under loads of pressure. And I'm not feeling uncomfortable because I'm having to do something that frankly, I know I'm not good at. I am not a good man manager. That is not my thing. Um, I'm very good at, at creating a plan for other people to follow, but I'm not the person you want sitting there helping you day to day or even being the person you go to day to day for that support. That isn't me. All right. The key word here is know who you are and try to focus uh, on your strength and Correct. whatever your weaknesses is, just try to outsource it or find someone to take care of that. So, oh, absolutely. All right. Uh, if you have to leave us with one big lesson that you have learned, in all your years of being an entrepreneur, what would that lesson be? One big lesson. Stop waiting to be discovered. Wow. Very short and very, very cool. 
like stop, yeah. stop, choose stop. yourself. <laughs> yeah, choose yourself. Stop waiting to be discovered. I think that's that's a, that's probably the best piece of advice that I can give you because, you know, n- n- if you talk about health, wealth, and success, those three things will own will be more important to you than anybody else in your life. Right. So nobody's ever going to care more about your health than you do. No one's ever going to care more about your wealth than you do. And no one's ever going to care more about your success than you do. So if you're waiting for someone else to give you permission to be successful, you're going to be waiting a very long time. And here's the thing I'll tell you as well. You know, that self-doubt stuff and that imposter syndrome stuff that goes on. Well, who am I to do this? Or I'm not ready yet or all that kind of stuff. Every single person I know at the top who are seven, eight, nine figure plus business owners, they all still have that going on. They all still have those problems. They all still have that mindset. They all still have that. What if this all goes wrong in the back of their mind? Every single one of them, every single person I know has that. Here's the difference. They jumped and built the parachute on the way down. You're still trying to figure out how to build a parachute before you jump. Well, that, thank you so much. Uh, so uh, before we leave and say goodbye, is there one question that you wish I asked that I didn't? No, but I'll tell you this that I think would be helpful. I don't even mind doing this on X. I think you'll like this. Uh, your business is uh, helping people to author and publish books without having to write a word, right? Yeah. So I'm guessing you're kind of doing it interview-based. You interview somebody, you you have those transcribed and written up and turned into chapters. Yeah, for, so. most, for most business entrepreneurs. Okay. So let me tell you something I'm doing at the moment that I think you'll, you'll be able to enjoy. And I think if you, you – you, I think this would be a great line of, of your business. And it's one of those things that you can't wait for people to think of this idea themselves. You have to tell them about the idea, and then they'll go, ah, that's brilliant. I can do that. Okay, so here's cool. an example. So, you know, I'm releasing a number of sports books next year, sports business books. Let me tell you how those are being written. I am interviewing people across the world of football and business, uh, sports business on my podcast and television show. Each episode is then being turned into a chapter of a book. And as soon as I have 12 interviews, another book is published and released because I now have 12 interviews. I now have an entire book worth of interviews with the best minds in football business. So I get to share my opinions. I get to speak to the best people. I get to promote it. So here's the thing. You're on a podcast right now. You are on podcast booking sites. I imagine you're on the likes of Podmatch and Podbooker and Matchmaker.fm and places like that. There must be, between those three sites, hundreds of thousands of business owners all looking to be guests on people's podcasts, right? Yeah. Which means that they've probably been guests on other people's podcasts before. So you could be approaching those people and saying, you know, all the podcast interviews that you do, why don't we collate them as a team and turn them into a book for you? Yeah, uh, we we are we have that in plan and my team and I have been uh, working on something and uh, kind of multi auto book. Mm. We're just like you said, like uh, we have like 20 or 15 uh authors who just contribute a chapter and that is the pipeline by yeah, so, so the thing, there's a few ways that you can do it you can like you said you can either have each one do a chapter but i'm talking about like if you come to me and say hey phil um i'm going to take your interviews where you've been a guest on people's podcasts and i'm going to turn each of those into a chapter of a book and give you your own book of your interviews i mean you could uh, i've done thousands of interviews so you could fill multiple books for me as a client just taking the interviews that I've done with other people like this one, turning them into a chapter of a book and then releasing me a whole book. So 
the the thing that you've got to understand about most business owners is that they they're time poor right they they don't have time to be doing more things so if you can be really efficient and say you know those interviews that you've already done i can turn those into a book for you that you've got and you don't have to do any more work except for read the transcripts and come back and forth and let us know what you think that has just opened up hundreds of thousands of more customers for you who've already done the content that can be turned into a book tomorrow it's already there. And the message to those people is not only can I help you write and publish a book that you don't have to write yourself, you don't even have to do any more work because I can leverage all the interviews you've already done. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> thanks so much for that uh, contribution. And uh, for listeners out there listening to us, this is, especially for those who have a podcast, this is a very cool idea that uh, you can take and implement. Mm-hmm. I have to be very sincere with you uh, for listeners out there and even for Phil. My podcasts have really catapulted my uh, revenue up. And yeah. uh, because of this platform, I've been able to meet a lot of amazing entrepreneurs who have ended up becoming my clients and it's just basis of conversa- conversations like these where we just talk we have very good time and at the end of the day we just came up with one discussion that led into uh you know what i've been trying to uh uh write this book and i've been struggling you are fine this it. is what my team and now this is what do you mind jumping on a call and uh let's talk about how you can get that done without you spending that time because one problem with most uh, six and seven figure uh, business owner, they don't have the time. Uh, we just work Correct. with a uh, five time uh, CEO, like he runs five companies together, just like you, and he has no time to write his book. And with mm-hmm. our help, he was able to get that book done. And uh, I love that. And it's come, it comes from the platform I have right now. It was just a conversation. Oh, I've been writing this book. Can you help me do this? And then, uh, he got on board and uh, we helped him with his book. So, uh, it's, incre- it's an incredibly powerful platform. Yeah, sure. That's the power of podcasting. And believe me, seriously, like I wish I've understand this concept way back in the uh, like in the early 20, 2012, uh, 2014 when I, I started. I, my I started podcasting fourteen years ago, and we've been monetizing it ever since. So I, I get exactly what you're saying. But if I, that was exactly where we were too. So I sold. The two podcast networks and our money from that was mainly through subscriptions, advertising and sponsorship. But it was only when I started using podcasting in business that I realized that the real power and tool of this was in the networking that, you know, the power of podcasting is not in the audience. That's an awesome byproduct. The power of podcasting is then having a VIP networking tool to meet with whoever you want to meet with. Yes. And really, I have I have. I, I can't remember the last time I sent a pitch to have a guest on this show. But when yeah. I got started, I have to send uh, emails. And I have never seen anyone who said no that. Even when I was starting, I don't even have any audience. I don't have any download. Nobody said mm-hmm. no. And I think the reason is very simple. We like talking about ourselves. And we are also given. Uh, when you have a podcast, you have a platform, you are giving to people, you are giving them a platform where they can talk about themselves. And that is super awesome. Like a lot of, and apart from that, I love the fact that podcast interviews like this build that like and trust factor because right. I can just send an email to you and you're wondering like, who is this guy? But you know, if you have a conversation with me, 
you get to know me much better. You get to Definitely. understand where I'm coming from or what I can do. And that gives, especially for people who sell high ticket uh, products or offer, it mm-hmm. gives that know, like, and trust in a very short period of time. And I so much love podcasting this way. And uh, I'm just super excited to have a conversation with someone who shared the same uh, podcasting mindset like me. I wish I Definitely. had the time. I would have loved to spread that message because so many people are just wasting time doing podcasting the old way, like get right. tons of download and at the end of the day, find someone to sponsor your episode and you can make yeah. like <laughs> 1,000 USD and that is not uh, a way to go, really. Not at all. Alright, so thanks so much, Fee, for being my guest on this app. Uh, podcast episode um before we leave can you just share with us where we can connect with you and where we can find you online yeah great uh thank you so well firstly thank you so much for having me um you can connect to best place to follow me is on linkedin usually that's where i tend to have most of my content shared uh it's a good place to start we've got we're on lots of different networks and platforms but linkedin's probably a good place so if you're listening to the podcast head into the show notes below now and you'll see a link to my linkedin page just come follow my content on there uh, we also do a free monthly networking event called profitable networking monthly it's just phenomenal um and i think you'll really enjoy that some great people there some potential clients some journalists some partners all that kind of stuff the only rule is there's no pitching allowed it's all business discussion so um it's usually a good few hundred people in there so i think you'll really enjoy that before we go i have one one question for you if i may yeah sure what was your biggest takeaway from today? What was the biggest aha moment from the interview today? Yeah, I was at the, it's not really a takeaway like that. It's just like, you know, when you talk to someone who shared the same idea and mindset with you, I'm also very excited. I'm, I've interviewed more than 65 or 60. I lost count of it anyway, but the last time I checked, <laughs> I've interviewed like 65 guests on this uh, show and many of the many of those episodes are still unpublished anyway and it's very rare for me to have a reconnection like this like someone who actually embodies almost everything that i stand for as a as an entrepreneur and when you even talk about the podcasting part like it's really connected to me because that is one thing i I, I am so passionate about right now and I wish I have the time to spread that message out into the world. So it's more for me about the connection uh, that I had with you uh, based on the fact that we share a lot of common uh, beliefs uh, when it comes to business and podcast. And if you ask me like uh, my take home, because just like I said, I always like to learn from every of my guests and as much as possible, because I know life is all about, uh, is a learning curve. You have to keep mm. learning and learning. And one thing, uh, you know, the idea I, uh, you, I talked about that my team and I are working on a multi-auto book, but uh, you gave a very new angle to that idea. And it's something I will talk to my team about, and I'm sure that uh, they will be very fired up to implement that. So if you ask me for my takeaway, that should be it. Great. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure to be here. Yeah. And once again, like nobody has ever, you know, I've interviewed a lot of people, just like I said, nobody has ever asked me that. What did I got out of my uh, podcast with them? And uh, I think you are the first person who asked me, you know, it's like, I'm now the OA, I'm now the guest and you are now the host, which is super <laughs> I can't awesome. help it. <laughs> yeah, it's super awesome. And uh, I I so much appreciate this is my longest episode I must say and it's really worth every damn 
uh, every minute of it. And I'm super excited to have this conversation with Sophie. Thank you so, so, so much for being a guest on this show. And uh, this episode, we surely stand uh, for a long time in my memory as one of my best, if not actually the best. And I'm not ashamed to say this online. I've had conversation with tons of super amazing people anyway in their own way. But this episode is really power packed. Listeners out there, this is one episode you have to listen to more than once and just keep listening to it because at every point you keep getting new new angles to uh how you can take your business uh to a new level especially with podcasting so thank you so much Fee. and uh, you're a very great person you're a super amazing uh guy and uh it's a pleasure having this conversation with you thank you so much brother all right so listeners out there this will be where we draw the curtains on this episode of the Six Figure Entrepreneur Podcast. It's what it, and I must say, you have to listen to this episode on and on again. So the conversations uh, goes to uh, the sixfigureentrepreneur.com uh, for slash podcast. Just type fill uh, in that uh, search box and the show note for this episode will pop right up. So until next time where I bring you another guest on this show, I'd like to leave you with this Go out there and create a lot of value because a lot of people are waiting for that value that only you can give out to the world. And you will not be doing them any good by not showing up and now giving them what they should get from you. See you next time and bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Six Figure Entrepreneur Podcast. For more episodes and the show notes for this episode, visit www.thesixfigureentrepreneur.com. And I would love for you to leave a review on iTunes if this episode has been of value to you. See you next time on another episode of the Six Figure Entrepreneur Podcast. And until then, keep building and keep the entrepreneurial fire burning.